And so when you're tasting coffee, you're processing that data. You know, you're processing that information. And the same thing is true for music. Like you're processing your experiences of your past, the people who came before you, just like coffee processes the information left in the soil from all the plants that came before it. Welcome to the Shellcast, a show about music, culture, and Memphis. As we live into our mission of building community through music, education, and diversity, we look forward to interviewing artists and musicians and hearing about how they are writing their own stories, and building their own communities. 85 years strong and with a rich history, the Levitt Shell has stood the test of time as a beacon of hope in the heart of Memphis. podcast is brought to you by Orion Federal Credit Union, where a big part of us is being a big part of the community. Visit orionfcu.com to see how Orion is redefining banking. I spoke with Bartholomew Jones, founder of Coffee Black, artist, and community organizer. We spoke about the growth of Coffee Black, how he maintained such a consistent output of music, his upcoming trip to Africa, and more. Now, here's our conversation with Bartholomew. Let's start things off with talking about your passion for coffee and its history and, and your work through Coffee Black. How did that start? Where did that passion come from? Uh, yeah. So for me, you know, I was introduced to coffee growing up in the community. You know, it's, it's at all our functions, grandma house, church, that type of stuff. So I was like a junior usher at church. And so I, I once I became a junior usher, I was able to, you know, get the little creamer, coffee and sugar, um, the little powdery sugar and cream. You know what I mean, so that was kind of my first introduction. Didn't really like coffee. I probably had a little bit of coffee in my sugar and cream. But, you know. I think it was one of those joints where it was it was fun. And as I got older, my dad started introducing me to like Kenyan coffee when he went to Lemoyne. Mm. He um went on a, a, tra- a study abroad trip to Kenya. And I think that was really influential for him. So I kind of like in the back of my mind was like, oh, okay, coffee comes from different countries. I didn't know its origin necessarily, but I knew at least some coffee comes from Kenya. Then when I was in, in high school and stuff, we would go to Starbucks. So I kind of got introduced, introduced to kind of like coffee culture there through one of my mentors, Christopher Hare. He used to take me to like, you know, coffee shops and stuff like that. We have like mentorship meetings and Bible study and stuff. So that, I mean, that was cool. But I, again, I wasn't really drinking coffee. I was drinking strawberry frappuccinos, which is a milkshake. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. that, the joint was busting though. The just, eventually I kind of graduated to like the caramel macchiato. I thought I was doing something. You know what I mean? I thought I was bougie as a mother. You couldn't tell me nothing. And, um, when I went to college was really when I really started to check out some some like local independent cafes. I went to school in Wheaton College right outside of Chicago. Oh, dope. Yeah, I really fell in love with cafe culture. I'm, I'm a, I was an elementary education major and a rapper as well. So like I was either there working on music or trying to do something at a local open mic or I was there kind of working on lesson plans or whatever. Eventually, I moved back to Memphis. Me and my wife, my wife buys me an espresso machine. Our first date is at a coffee shop and wow. she's like really encouraging me. I mean, that's the dope thing about black women. Uh, one of the many dope things about black women, like we are, my wife believed in me before I even knew it could be a thing. Like, cause I was trying to be cheap. I called myself trying to be cheap. I was like, yeah, we can't really be out here spending money on coffee. Like that's not, that's not what we do. 
you know, grew up in a working class. My wife was like, no, this is what God wants you. You go do it. And I was like, you believe in me, you know, and so it like blew my mind. My wife is actually our coffee roaster now. So it's wow. crazy that it comes full circle. But yeah, man, I, 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 somewhere along the way, I found out coffee comes from different regions and eventually found out coffee comes from Ethiopia. And I remember Kendrick Lamar dropped to Pimp a Butterfly on vinyl. And a bunch of my friends, like who I did music with, were like, we all wanted to sit down and talk about it. And it was one of those moments where you actually talk about what an album means as a, as a culture, like as hip hop culture, as a group of people, we all sat down and talked. And I think that's, those are rare moments, more rare anymore these days. Like most of the time music comes out and, you know, you hear it or you don't. But it was one of these songs where you had to have an opinion about it. And so we got it on vinyl. I got some some choice libations, you know, of various types. And then I had coffee there, too. I had this Ethiopian coffee, and I was doing pour-overs. And it was really crazy. Like, all my homies was like, man, I heard you talk about coffee a lot. You know, this was like, what, 2015, 2016? Is that when Butterfly dropped? They're like, we heard you talk about coffee, but, like, this not really tastes like blueberries. What'd you put in it? And I was like, nothing, bro. That's just what's in it. And having that conversation about the origin of coffee and letting people know it's actually from Africa. and It was taken from Africa and from the African destiny or African diaspora and used to perpetuate slavery and colonialism. And having that context in the midst of, you know, discussing To Pimp a Butterfly, which, is addressed, which addresses a lot of similar themes, it was like, man, this is a conversation or experience that should be more readily accessible. Like other people would enjoy this. I wish I could experience this again. And that kind of set the, the, put the seed in my mind that like there's another type of experience to be had with coffee than what you traditionally see at your, at your, at your local cafe or in the grocery aisle. Wow. Man, that's so much to unpack there. I love that hearing this story and just hearing how you kind of grew into this and how there's so much, so much a big part of it is the passion, but then there's also the the education and the knowledge that comes from learning about your passion and, and really educating yourself, which is which is dope. And I, I love the community building aspect of it, which you mentioned music being at the at the core of kind of you gathering your friends together. And I know as a musician and artist yourself, you are very consistent in your output of music. <laughs> which, is, which is it. which is awesome definitely i mean in this this day and age with streaming and tons of music is being released um every day how do you how do you maintain that consistency um i think it's a it's a way of living so you know for me making music is kind of a part of my i guess it's part of my spiritual identity so it's i think it's one of those things that god it's just a way god has given me to live you know what i mean so it's like you gotta go run. Runners gonna run. You know what I mean? Like rappers gonna <laughs> rap. You know what I mean? Like teachers are gonna teach. So to me, it's a way of processing. Making music is a way for me to process my experiences, and it's a way to interact with people and to both like process information, but also disseminate information. It's just like that's how I talk. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know how to how to not be making music, um, even if if I'm not recording it. I'm humming or singing or it's just a and I think that's a very black thing too you know what I mean I think that like it's a way we process we just move through life it's one of the tools that we use like speaking talking you know and, and making music about it and my even my grandma my mom's mom who you know I used to be at her farm every summer they had like an acre of land out in Alabama 
you know, when she she passed a couple of years ago and like she left a book full of poems, you know, she mm-hmm. was always singing, always writing. She's not a famous musician, but it was a lifestyle. So it's a, it's a it's a way of living. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. for me, that's kind of how I process music is as a way of living. It's not for any particular output or, or reception necessarily. It's just like a you got to exhale. You know what I mean? You have to process that information. And I think it's a very... I guess you could say natural thing in coffee too. Like one of the things we're, we're going to Ethiopia here in two days. And one of the things I'm super excited about is like, I've seen these videos online of like these men, these black men in Ethiopia harvesting coffee. And while they're harvesting coffee, they're doing the same thing that our ancestors did. Like they're singing songs, you know, chorally, communally. And it's like, yo, this is such a core of our identity as like children of Africa. And I'm sure it's true in other cultures too. You know, I'm just not close enough to know that information, but it seems really special, you know, and it seems like something, again, another perspective on coffee that is kind of missed. So to just have these rituals throughout the day where I wake up, I make my pour over, you know, very slow concentric circles. I'm generally like listening to scripture or talking or praying. Uh, My kids might run in and it's just this moment where I'm kind of gathering myself and similar things with music, like I'm playing music and I'm thinking, I'm reflecting on my experiences. I'm trying to understand what it really meant. I'm thinking like, you know, I want to share this with somebody else. And so like the same thing with coffee and music is this way of kind of like processing information. Like with coffee, you're processing biological information, like data that's been encoded in the seed, mm-hmm. right? In the DNA of this seed through the soil and the other plants that come before it and you know, all the things that a seed processes, it contains the blueprint for life in the future. And so when you're tasting coffee, you're processing that data, you know, you're processing that information. And the same thing is true for music. Like you're processing your experiences of your past, the people who came before you, just like coffee processes the information left in the soil from all the plants that came before it. And you're also thinking about how do I project or or pass down what's pertinent to the future. Mm. And, you know, that's what a seed does is it bursts new life and music in the same way. In hip hop, especially, we're sampling from the past and trying to contextualize it, chop it up, make it make sense where we are now. And then we're going to speak some type of truth into the future, hopefully that either moves ourselves or our future generation forward. So, you know, they're just very similar things for me. And I think for us, we want to share that experience with our with our brand, with the music we make, with even the design on the coffee. My wife does a lot of graphic design for the bags. And it's we killer. even want the bags. She, she, she the roaster. She the designer. I say she cook all the work. So I just bag it up. You know what I mean? Like, but uh, we talk about legal work now. You know what I mean? But she, she, she really is amazing. Shout out to Renata Henderson. Um, yeah, she's she's doing so much. She just got off an interview today with some people who are interested in investing. And it was That's just awesome. it's so cool seeing her. And for us, and I've like, seen her name on on the music too as a feature. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She be teaching me how to sing and stuff. You know what I mean? Like I'll be like, hey man, did this sound good? You know what I mean? I mean, like, how I hit that run you just did. You know? Um, I love it. Yeah, we actually met at my first hip hop show back in the city. I was like kicking it with uh, some 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 of the local homies, people like Knowledge Nick and, and CCDE, and was just kind of getting my feet wet, moving back to Memphis from Chicago. And I ended up getting like a little independent gig for like a 30 minute set over in Midtown and she was in the crowd. And then we kind of talked after that. And then a year later we were married. (laughs) So yeah, she's been there from the core, you know, first person to buy the espresso machine. She's our first roaster within the company. She, you know, she's everything. So 
Yeah, she's the queen. You know. Wow. Yeah, you gonna get me emotional over here now. <laughs> I love it, black and love. I'm about to leave. I love it. I'm about to leave it. for like two weeks. I'm gonna oh, miss that girl. Oh man. Well, speaking of your trip, I know you mentioned you're going to Ethiopia. Is that the only place that you all are going, or are you all hitting a few spots? Yeah, we originally. It's it's been a crazy journey. Originally, we had four countries set. We were gonna go. Rwanda, Burundi, Kenya, and uh, Ethiopia. And then at some point, um, Egypt got added onto there, and Rwanda and Burundi and Kenya were taken off, and then Kenya got put back on. It's just, for, for us, it's my first time organizing an international trip, and so figuring out the right situation with our host has been, we don't want to inconvenience anybody, right. you know what I mean? But trying to coordinate sch- schedules internationally um, has been really hard, you know, and so we, we found someone who was able and available and willing to partner with us and host us, you know, and so that ended up being in Ethiopia, the origin. And so I think right. it's kind of appropriate. We still got some tickets because them tickets were non-refundable. So we have some oh, tickets man. to some other places that we just go keep pushing them join out in faith. You know, we, we talked to one of our hosts in Rwanda and they said maybe March would be a good date for us to come in March. So you know, that my wife's ticket, sister-in-law, and the littlest baby, all of them have tickets, you know, but wow. we'll have to postpone that. But we're going to Ethiopia to go and document the origin of coffee's black history. And, you know, God is good, and he, he is all the time. But if he, if he wills it, then we'll be able to return to other countries and continue to kind of document and share coffee's black history as it moves throughout different countries. But it definitely starts in Ethiopia, and so I think it's probably guys whether we start there too. So yeah, we're gonna shoot a, a short documentary, independent. It's myself and our videographer Michael Grant. He's basically going to be able to. He's bringing a couple film cameras. Awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. He shoots all in film. Really talented dude. And yeah, we're gonna go out there, put together a small independent documentary, and do some interviews, and, and really hopefully share this story in a way that makes an impact and. You know, maybe we'll have more people as we continue to raise money or invest who will be interested in supporting us so we can hit other countries. But stay tuned. When we get back pretty soon afterwards, hopefully that month we'll be able to show a small snippet and we hmm. and do an installation with some of the photos that That's were taken awesome. over there. And so, yeah, y'all, y'all come on out. You know what I mean? We'll have coffee. We'll have Ethiopian coffee from one of the wow. places we visit. Um, and be able to share what we learned, just a, a little bit of it, and just celebrate, you know, be able to drink some coffee, hear some music, and, you know, just celebrate being able to make that journey and come back home. All right, well, you don't tell me twice. I'm already putting it on my calendar. Hey! So. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. That sounds amazing. Want to learn more about how you can support the Let It Shell and its mission of building community through music, education, and diversity? Head to levitshell.org. You can read up on our 85-year history, check out our schedule of live and virtual events, visit our shell shop to grab all the swag, and find out ways you can participate in our mission, whether that's through donations, volunteering, sponsoring a show, or becoming a member of our shell circle. Once again, levitshell.org. The crazy thing is, it had to have been maybe earlier this year, I saw a family friend of mine post on Instagram wearing, you know, Make Coffee Black Again, the t-shirt, yeah. and they're in San Francisco. Oh, wow. It was just amazing to me that I was like, wow, like the, the movement is spreading. How, it really is. How does that feel like seeing something that you cultivated here at home in Memphis 
now kind of growing outside of your backyard. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways it doesn't feel real because um, I was talking to one of my friends, but there's this term, I call it like <laughs> EEP or entrepreneurially acquired pessimism where, you know, I, I am an optimist, I think, at my heart. And I've always been an optimist. But being an entrepreneur is really interesting because you always have to plan for if everything that you're hoping happens doesn't work and how are you going to do it without that? And it, it, it can almost build um, just like a fearful attitude, you know what I mean, of like of, of worrying or panic. And I already struggle with depression and anxiety. And, and I think the pandemic triggered a lot of that. So for me, it's like, man, I sometimes don't even want to let myself be leave that is growing because I'm like, well, but if it doesn't, what am I going to, you know what I mean? So I think it's one of those things where on my bad days, I think I just put my head down and work and don't think about it because I can always control the work I do, you know, as long as I get breath in my body, but I can't control the reception of that work. So it's like, I'm going to just work triple hard. But on a good day, like we've been, I've been trying to be more intentional about like rituals of celebration and like having fun <laughs> you know what i mean which are things that i like you once you have kids and you start a business and like you do it because you think you'll have more time but you actually end up with way less and i'm like man we gotta celebrate let's go let's go eat you know let's listen to some music really loud and like i'm not gonna i'm gonna try not to think about work or take an email or take a call and just just be happy and reflect and my wife and i did that yesterday we went down to bishop got some brunch and just like we were on the news yesterday, it was just like, let's just be happy about that. You know what I mean? Like, let's not, I'm not gonna think about the next thing. I'm not gonna think about the next invoice that's not paid. I'm not gonna think about, you know, how the sales are doing or the marketing or the marketing, the, the Facebook funnel or anything. I'm just gonna be like, man, this, this happened. We don't deserve this. So, this is something that like God has given us and we're gonna be yeah. happy about it. And I think that's really where I find joy is like those moments where you really are just in the experience and like, that stuff is dope. Like when I'm when I'm in the right state of mind and not like experiencing eat, you know what I mean? Like I'm like, it's dope. It's super dope. Like crazy, one of the craziest things that happened this year is, you know, we talk a lot about the Oromo people and they're one of the most, they were kind of the first people to really be hospitable toward us from Ethiopia. They reached out like in, not obviously not all of them, but a person from the ethnic group reached out and shared a lot about his story from his culture and just a lot of connections. Um, and we have that on our podcast. You guys think it's episode two on our podcast with Ibrahim, who we actually right. just met in person recently. It was really cool. And um, another brother. So we put the podcast out. We did the whole thing and, and kept telling the story. And then a brother who's also a Romo and has a company called Aromo Coffee Beans, uh, excuse me, Aromo Coffee Co. in Australia, started sharing our stuff. And we got super excited. We were like, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. We wanted to learn more. And he was like, actually, no, you helped us start our business. And I was wow. like, what? He was like, yeah, we saw your brand and it inspired us to start our brand. And I was like, but you're from one of the ethnic groups who's one of the first people to discover coffee. You know what I mean? So how can wow. I inspire a brand? Well, you all inspired us. Like, we're just trying to share your story. And not that was such a crazy, like, Infinity War time jump experience it was like yo this is really blowing my mind and yeah it just made me realize like man the, the personal impact of how what it means to people i think always blows me away because i tell people like we in the hood and over here in north memphis so i'm like i'm not living no type of magical you know what i mean life 
But the experiences that people happen when they interact with the brand have been like really mind blowing. So those things, like seeing those pictures, hearing those stories, like those things, like I just don't even, they don't even, I'm just super humbled and super excited, honestly, for the next, like what happens next? Like what happens when we can all organize and create opportunities for each other through coffee internationally and like like one of our goals with this trip is to build an all black supply chain mm. and just some brief information about what that means like basically when you're not only <laughs> do you see very few people in coffee in roasting excuse me black people in coffee in roasting or in branding or in retail but you also see even less black people when it comes to import export and a lot of times the only time you really see black people uh are at the production part you know what i mean where the pro mm -hmm. the raw products are being made and they're already having so much labor extracted from them we we're like yo what if we can create a supply chain and this was kind of inspired by dr claude anderson who talked about vertically vert vertically integrating your supply chain in an industry where either the production is primarily black or the consumption is primarily black. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we're in an industry where the production is primarily black and brown. And so uh, we're like, wow, what would it look like for not only the people who grew the coffee to be black, but for the exporter to be black and for the importer to be black and for the roaster to be black and then the barista to be black and to give all that to a black customer. Like wow. that to me is like our really, really big, like if we can do that, I think we'll be able to really create generational change. You know, we're pretty close, man. We got a contract. I think we we found the importer, the exporter. We're gonna go meet the farmers and wow. meet the people over there who are able to make the coffee come over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, and then we want to go hear about how is this coffee consumed and seen culturally. So that's like the biggest thing we're excited about when we go. Wow, that's exciting. That's amazing. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I think it's the opposite. The op so the, the next step in my mind is like, man, okay, God, so what if now we have this all black supply chain, how many businesses could be created out of this? You know what I mean? What does it look like to start warehousing coffee, and being able to get that coffee to other black people who are interested in learning or we, my wife is starting this internship program where young, young black creatives who are interested like between 16 and 30 who want to come learn about coffee's history from a different perspective and integrate it with our culture and learn how to make coffee can come and then be trained as a barista. And we're hoping to partner mm. with local cafes who then could hire those baristas and we can start populating, you know, kind of like a, like a punnel or a, a punnel, a pipeline funnel. It's a punnel. Anyway, uh, <laughs> kind of like a pipeline <laughs> where we could really start resourcing and changing the face of what you see when you walk into a coffee shop in Memphis, you can see way more black baristas, way more black owned shops. And then we would have the network to have provide roasted coffee for all those people and the whole supply chain could be black. So that's the, that's our hope. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff gets me excited too, is thinking about what could happen in the future, you know? For sure. I love the fact that you all are, are leaning into creating those opportunities for exposure because a lot yeah. of times, you know, we may not see someone who looks like us behind yep. that counter or who's roasting or who, you know, created and, you know, founded this, this sort of, sort of company to let us know that, Hey, this is possible. So yep. I, 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 I love, I love that approach. Man, that's super exciting. Super, super exciting. Well, 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, tell our listeners how they can keep up with you and everything that you're doing. Yeah, so they can check us out on Patreon. That's going to be where I'm going to be doing daily vlogs uh, while I'm overseas. So you can get like all the behind the scenes footage and stuff on Patreon. And then we'll also be, our goal is to get to 100 subscribers on Patreon right now. We're at like 26. We want to get to 100 subscribers on there. You can also join our email list. Uh, Those people are also going to be getting updates. So that's a great way to follow us. Of course, there's all the socials, TikTok and I'm really having a lot of fun on TikTok too recently, just trying to like interact with people. It's a different type of sharing, but it's a cool, it's more personal. So we've been over on TikTok. You can join us there. Instagram, of course. Twitter, of course. We really want to hit 1,000 followers on Twitter too, so we can start doing those Twitter spaces. We'd be in the clubhouse streets every once in a while, but it's like kind of, I don't know, clubhouses is one of them. It's a cool space for international. We've met a lot of really cool black people in coffee on clubhouse. Cool. But I feel like in the States right now, it's kind of like not a thing. So that's why I'm like, yo, when we get to a thousand followers on Twitter, we can do spaces, which mm. will be another cool thing. So all of that. And then, yeah, you know, um, you can we have a GoFundMe right now. We still have a lot of back end fees to cover with editing and processing all the film and trying to start saving up for a second trip here to other countries. If people are interested in marketing opportunities and want to do some really cool art installations with, you know, viewing parts of the documentary alongside like learning about the Ethiopian coffee ceremony that we're going to learn about when we visit and seeing some of those pictures. So all of that money is going to go towards that. So people can still donate on the GoFundMe, just search coffee black with an X like Malcolm X. So C X F F E E black and GoFundMe and it'll, it'll pop up. But yeah, those are all the great ways, you know, to follow us. We also have a coffee subscription. If you want to make sure you're stocked on the good stuff, you know what I mean? That legal dope. Then, you know, we ship two fresh roasted bags to you every month. So you can check that out and you get an original print from my wife's graphic design imagination. You know what I mean? So get the little coffee corner looking real vibey. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, no, I appreciate you chatting with us and I'm looking forward to seeing what you all bring back from your trip and Same. just the continued growth. I'm excited. I'm really awesome. excited. Awesome. Awesome. That's episode 17 of the Shellcast. Thanks again to Bartholomew Jones. To stay connected on all things Coffee Black, visit coffeeblack.com. You can listen to Bartholomew's music on DSPs under the name Bartholomew Jones. To keep our tradition of passing around the tip bucket, which started in 1936, please feel free to drop a small gift at levittshell.org slash virtual bucket to support the Levitt Shell. Thanks again, and be sure to tune in for our next episode of The Shellcast.